0: Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John Cunningham is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he can help you with financial decisions and future planning. He's been a big help to me and my family, and I commend him to you. You can reach him at 205 205- I am so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome once again to another Excel Still More episode. It really is a pleasure for me to record these thoughts and ideas and share them with you, and it means a lot that you're listening in. I have this feeling that today's concept will attach to everyone in at least some small way. Maybe you are a bona fide me-bubbler, or you just know one really well, but probably you're just like me. I try to stay self-aware of whether I'm putting too much attention on myself or who I need to be helping in that moment, but there are certainly times, maybe times when I'm hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, the old halt phrase, or maybe just times when I'm going mindlessly about my day or week that that bubble starts to form again and i need to pull out something sharp and pop it and maybe for some that's what today's episode will be a sharp pin prick making an audible sound as the bubble of self gets instantly removed and a whole new world of god and others gets reintroduced ultimately though i'm not here today to rebuke or criticize i want this episode to be heavy on practical things that I have been doing to help keep that bubble from forming, and I want to share with you a tremendous passage of Scripture that you can use daily to help you grow. If you end up wanting more information than you get today, I did preach two sermons a couple of weeks back called Popping the Me Bubble. It was based in the book of Jude and established the character of dangerous people who had infiltrated local churches, and what was behind their focus on self and why it was so dangerous. I came back in the evening sermon and introduced the positive aspects of selflessness that I'll be sharing with you today. All right, so let's jump in on this. What does it mean to live in your own me bubble? Me bubblers have several common traits. One, they talk about themselves a lot. When you look at their pronouns, there's a lot of I, and me, and myself, and my kids, and things like that. Me-bubblers also like to do things, just like everyone else, but they pretty much only do the things that they want to do. They're drawn to things that service some need in their life, and they are generally adverse to things that don't have some personal benefit. Me-bubblers have friends, and they like to hang out with others but each and every one of their friends has at least one component that services a need or desire for themselves. If there is someone in their life who is difficult or who draws too much out of them, that person generally has to get outside of their bubble. People in me bubbles will do things for other people. I don't want to act like they're never generous. They may be very charitable, in fact, but they want other people to know about it. Because the act can't just be about someone else. It also has to be, at least in part, about them. And look, I don't know how any of this is hitting you, but I am familiar with all of these shortcomings and have had to address each of them in my life over the years. On its most basic, harmless level, it's just kind of humorous to watch two me-bubblers have a conversation. You can almost see their bubbles pushing against each other, but maintaining its distinctive form. And the conversation usually goes something like this. The first one says, I, me, my, mine, my family, my job, my kids, things I like, things I don't like, me and mine. The other person stares at them and usually waits until they've stopped speaking before returning with something like this. Well, I, me, mine, better story, my family, my life, and things that I like or don't like. And if the conversation goes on from there, it just restarts. The other person gets back into their monologue and they just speak at each other until one or both of them loses interest. I mentioned this in the sermon a couple of weeks back. I've thought about carrying a $100 bill with me in my pocket, and the first time I see someone finish up their monologue and the other person asks them a follow-up question, they say, hey, that was interesting. Can you tell me more about this? I'm just going to pull the $100 bill out and give it to them and say, you are awesome, and then walk off. So, hey, if for no other reason, work on popping the me bubble in conversations because you might get paid. Of course, it just hit me that that actually undermines the whole point of who it's about. But it does illustrate how willing I am to make changes when the benefit comes back around to help, well, me. So again, I don't want to spend the whole 20 minutes talking about what self-centeredness looks like. I want to get to solutions. But I will add this one more thing. People whose primary focus is on themselves and their families and their lives may seem common And like it's not that big a deal. However, when you take someone like that and you put them in a system that is bigger than themselves, they tend to do damage to that system. If you put someone like that in a company that has fellow employees or someone over them or customers, primarily looking out for their own interest is going to be to the detriment of the organization. The book of Jude shows us how that happens in the church where you join something bigger than yourself, with people around you to serve and encourage, and a Christ who is Lord over your life. The only outcome that a me bubble produces in that situation is division. God's beautiful body pulled apart, not by outside influences, but by the individual pieces within it pulling everyone in their direction. Naturally, this can be applied to the family, If you are in a family with a mate or parents or children, you are in a beautiful system that's not about you. It's about all of you. And if you end up in an entire family of me-bubblers, each one prioritizing themselves over others and the group and God, well, that is a tremendously fragile fellowship. So here is the flip side of that. If we can learn to pop those bubbles and better understand our place in this world and our purpose within these systems, you and I can bring about the opposite result. Not division, but unity. Not self, but God and Christ and his church and others. Okay, so how do we go about making things better? That must begin with a sense of self-awareness. We are nearly halfway through this episode. Have you heard anything yet that hits close to home? Are you ready to say, hey, I may need to reevaluate my language, my interactions, and the purpose behind some of the things that I do? So whether you're someone who just occasionally gets too focused on your own desires, or maybe you are a professional me bubbler, do you know what those look like? The entire inner wall of the bubble is lined with mirrors where all they ever see is themselves. Maybe they're happy, maybe they're miserable, but that's all that there is. And it dictates everything about their walk. But that's not all that there is. There is so much more and so many more people and a tremendous sense of service and purpose in your life, just like Jesus, that I guarantee can change everything. Okay, let me give you a list of things that have helped me over the years and I still find useful. Each of them begins with the I pronoun, but they're ultimately about self-awareness that can get me beyond that. Number one, I am a vessel repaired by God, filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit so that I can pour forth of the Holy Spirit into the lives of everyone I meet and know. That line is a throwback to the emptying yourself episode of a few years ago, the one with the Christmas cup with the snowman inside. But this basic concept has stuck with me. I am a vessel made and repaired by God for a purpose. Somehow the Holy Spirit, with his beautiful qualities of love and joy and peace and all nine of those things... Somehow, God wants to get that into the hearts and lives of people who need it. That is my purpose. It's what I look to do when I walk through the door on a Sunday morning or into my home on a Tuesday evening. Every person God chooses for me to meet is someone who needs more of the Spirit. I am a vessel at the Lord's table that He can lift as He pleases to pour the Spirit into another. So I hope you can hear clearly in that first point. It's not that you are worthless or unimportant. It's the exact opposite of that. It's just that that importance has to do with others. Number two, I am the least important person in every room I walk into. I tell myself that often. Again, church building, front door of my house, a restaurant, or the draft room. For Little League baseball coaches. It's not that I don't have value or importance. It's more of an attitude of humility consistent with Jesus. Jesus was the greatest person in every room he ever entered, but you'd never know it. He wasn't living in some bubble of self-service, only drawing people close to him if they can do things of which he is worthy, because no one could. He entered rooms and he made everyone else's needs elevate above his own. The really cool part is when someone else in the room thinks that way also, they will likewise say and do very kind things to you, and that creates a very different and kind of amazing conversation. Number three in our list is closely related to this concept of conversation, because I will watch my pronouns. I really want you to try this. The next conversation that you have, it's okay to talk about yourself and your life and your family. That's part of conversation back and forth. But try your best to start it about them and then ask a follow-up question about them. And by the end of the conversation, the end of the night, the end of the week, see if the pronouns you used along the way were more about their interests Than your own. Now, someone might be listening to this thinking if I take all of this advice, it will never be about me. I won't get to share my stories and none of my needs will be met. But let me just assure you there's really no risk of that. There's enough innate self thought in us that we'll get our stories out and we'll get our needs met. I'm just trying to convince you that there is a much more beautiful world beyond your bubble and richer relationships than you've ever known. All right, let me give you one more thing. Number one, I am a vessel of the Holy Spirit to be poured out into the lives of others. Number two, I am the least important person in this room. Number three, I will watch my pronouns. And number four, I can do one selfless act every day On purpose. This point is for those who don't quite understand what we're saying here or what that change might look like. I tend to think in very practical, simple daily terms. There is a section in my journal every day called Your Daily Highlight. And while admittedly I've gotten into the habit of writing two or three things in there every day, just really cool things that happen that day, I still try to make sure that there is at least one thing that will happen today that is entirely about someone else. Not someone super close to me who is basically an extension of myself, but someone who is out of my ordinary circle. Someone who I will text or call or visit or help or give to or do for just because it will bring joy to their life. Imagine if you just did one thing like that on purpose, intentionally, every day. That's seven things a week, 30 people a month, hundreds of amazing little acts of selflessness that will reshape your year and could redefine your life. So I hope you find those helpful, and if you have any other tips that help you get beyond yourself into the great, big, wonderful world out there, please share them with me. It's so interesting how total transformation continues to go back to little, easy, daily things. Things that are easy to do, like being mindful of the pronouns in a conversation, but also things that are easy not to do. But consistency, as always, really pays off. Okay, as we get to the end of this, I want to give you a passage from the book of Jude. If you are interested in some biblical guidance to less of self and more of Christ and others, this passage may be as good as it gets. What makes it so interesting is the setup. As I said early on, there were men in their love feasts, in their worship services, associated with this larger, beautiful system who, verse 12, only care about themselves. Verse 19 reveals the danger. They are worldly-minded and devoid of the Spirit, and so they only cause division. He ends by saying, let's do better than that. Let's get mission-oriented, which will focus on God and others. So the next few verses go like this. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life, and have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some, have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Within those passages are beautiful things that God's people will be driven towards every day, but all of it can really be summed up in five words from the teachings of Jesus. Love God and love your neighbor. It strikes me that the entire opening section of his advice is about the Godhead, He said, here's what you're going to need to do. Number one, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Be learning and growing and deepening your concept of the lordship of Jesus Christ. When you pray, pray in connection with the Holy Spirit, with his wisdom and his character. Keep yourselves in the love of God, God's great love for you and your love for him be waiting anxiously for the mercies of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life let me tell you a day filled with the love of the father the expectation of the son and prayers in the spirit is a day filled with potential so far beyond and above yourself that it will only deepen your faith your dependency upon him and ultimately your usefulness as a servant of others in his kingdom and so that's why he comes back and says three more things. Have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some, have mercy with fear, hating even the garments polluted by the flesh. I've got to wrap up this episode, but listen carefully. There are people outside of your circle, outside of your bubble, who are doubting the truth and their salvation is in jeopardy. There are others who are lost in the grips of Satan, and still others doing the most abysmal things in complete ignorance. God has put them in your life on purpose. You may know them from the church where you worship, or your family, or among your acquaintances and friends. At this point, they may not be able to do anything for you. In fact, you may have to be very careful when you approach them. But serving God means saving souls. My life is not about me. It's about how God saved me and how he is using me to get out of my comfort zone and help those who are doubting, lost, and in danger. I beg you to look for those opportunities every day. For some of us, it just means simple daily changes and opening our eyes. For others, they may need to first start by breaking some mirrors. But everything that can be truly great and fulfilling in your life is found by first popping the me bubble. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. And if you're just in search of deeper Bible study or you want to share the message of Jesus with the children in your life, remember to go to creation This wonderful company run by Christians provides beautiful illustrations of Scripture from beginning to end, putting the spotlight on Jesus. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.